3: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show
1: podcast.
2: Welcome everybody to the Tuesday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We've got a lot to talk to you about today, so appreciate you being here with us. Lines are open, eight hundred two eight two two eight eight two. 282 2882 As we know, we are on the uh on the eve here of a uh debate. The precipice of a debate tomorrow. We'll Tell you how things are looking as we get closer to that. Um, looks like Donald Trump will also not be on that stage. Not a surprise at all, I might add. I think this is exactly what we had thought would be the case up to this point. Uh, we also had uh, Clay did a sit-down with Stephen A. Smith. We're going to be releasing that one. Might even play some preview clips for all of you about that, they talked about woke culture. I think that's certainly something that we should uh, spend some time on today. Have a discussion about today. Um, we have Israel closing in on the last major pocket of Hamas resistance in Gaza. Uh, certainly moving along there as as anticipated, the Israeli Defense Forces are uh, sweeping up the uh, terrorist entity and. We've got some other things we want to get to as well here, but I, I did want to start out here, Clay, because we had we had touched on this a bit yesterday. It, it is still, I think, shocking to some people that there is as much anti-Semitism out there after a terror attack. I mean, this would be very much like extreme anti-Americanism after 9/11, but in this case, it's it, it's even more heinous in the sense that it goes against people's people's identity, right? I mean, it's not just about a nationality, it's about an identity here. It goes against the Jewish people as as individuals. And this has been, I think, a wake-up call on, well, for anybody who's capable of seeing reality for what it is, a wake-up call about how much there is this anti-Semitism on the left, how acceptable it has become in some precincts of the left. And here is, this was Philadelphia. This is recently uh, a group of protesters outside of a Jewish owned restaurant in Philly. I wanted you to hear what this chant was. Play six. <laughs> I mean, Clay, there are a couple of things here. One is, and we, there's lots of this going on. This is happening on college campuses across the country. People are, uh, there's all these videos. This is ongoing. It's going on for, for months now, right? The October 7th act. It's been two months of this, uh, out on the streets. Yes, there's been a lot of solidarity as well among Americans with the Jewish people and with the state of Israel. Yes, there are people who see this with the moral clarity that Anybody who understands any basic morality should. But I think, Clay, it's been surprising for a lot of people to see how uh, virulent and how widespread this anti-Semitism is. And, I mean, two things on this. One is there is a degree of gathering outside of a Jewish-owned restaurant is, is clearly meant to be intimidating. And to charge someone with genocide, not only is it insane, but... To me, it's, it's an incitement, right? I mean, to say that someone is, is somehow, uh, has a hand in genocide, well, you can use force to stop genocide, right? You're justified basically in doing anything to stop a genocide.
3: I, this, I'm not an expert in, in restaurant or culture, cuisine, anything like that. My understanding is this is a very popular restaurant in the Philadelphia area run by a Jewish guy. And the Palestinian protesters specifically walked to and stood outside and chanted at his at his restaurant. And my biggest takeaway from this is this is happening all over the country. And we heard and Joe Biden based his entire political campaign on the idea that Charlottesville could not be allowed to happen that it somehow attacked the soul of the United States and what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, as there was a dueling protest surrounding the Robert E. Lee uh, statue there, which the Washington Post now covers the meltdown of, right, which is super creepy and strange and odd that that was allowed to occur. But Biden based his entire political resurrection in many ways, his entire campaign for 2020, My goodness, Charlottesville happened. I have to run. Joe Biden's been in office for three years now, and there are Charlottesville, Virginia's happening all over the country. And instead of being led by right-wing individuals, they are overwhelmingly the province of the left. And by and large, Biden is saying nothing. And so, Buck, if you based the entire premise of your uh, uh, reason for running on restoring the soul of America... And Charlottesville in particular you found to be so nasty and so unacceptable that you felt compelled to come off the bench and run for president of the United States. What possible statement would you be making if that was truly your motivation when you are seeing America torn asunder in many ways over this uh, this uh Israeli-Palestine discord and it's all coming from the left? Cause, cause Buck, have you heard anyone on the right protesting Israel? No. I haven't, I haven't seen a single person who votes Republican or is on the right side of the political equation. I haven't even heard anything. It's all left wing, uh, attacks upon Israel. And for the most part, Joe Biden's completely silent because it's actually his base that's anti-Semitic.
2: You know, the left has been encouraging, uh, Viewing everything through a, a racial lens as we have discussed, um, such that once you've made that determination about who is the, who is the racially oppressed group, nothing else is allowed to factor in, nothing else is allowed to matter. The left treats that as the single most important determinant of who is in the right and who is in the wrong. And this has resulted in some really morally obscene uh, positions being taken on love. I mean, first of all, this guy, this was on Sunday. So it was a couple of days ago that this protest gathered outside of, it's a falafel restaurant and, uh, they, it's a, it's a guy who, guy who owns it is Jewish. So they were chanting goldie, goldie, you can't hide. Uh, we charge you with just in case you couldn't hear the audio, we charge you with genocide. And I, uh, and, and you sit here and you say to yourself, what, what is the message the people that are gathering outside of a Jewish owned restaurant in a mob and are chanting, we charge you with genocide. That's meant to intimidate, right? There, there's, yes. there's not, there's nothing, they're not standing up for the rights of anyone. They're not convincing anyone of the righteousness of their position or that we need to approach this with more nuance. And on that point of nuance or context, um, the left has a real problem right now, and when I say the left, the Democrats and the Biden administration—they've got a real problem right now because they've had members of Congress in the Democrat Party, never mind just the media and some of the you know lunatics we see on college campuses, who, in response to clear evidence that it wasn't just incidents of violent rape of Israeli women and Israeli men that Hamas conducted on October 7th, Clay, it was a policy of Hamas. It was part of the plan. And there's just nothing more evil than what Hamas did on October 7th. But when we talk about the sexual assault issue specifically, all of a sudden you have people talking about not overly condemning one side, demands for context, and even Clay saying things like, here, here's a... uh, uh, on, there, this is a former Bernie Sanders spokesman, Brianna Joy Gray. She now hosts, uh, Rising, which is actually a show that believe it or not, I was hosting years ago with uh, Crystal Ball. And she tweeted this out. Zionists are asking that we believe the uncorroborated eyewitness account of men who describe alleged rape victims in odd fetishistic terms, shame on Israel, she writes, for not seriously investigating claims of rape and collecting rape kits. I mean, there's so much here that is completely vile and insane. So we're to disregard the eyewitness accounts of men, Israeli men, who saw Israeli women being raped because we can only believe women? Some of the women were murdered, Clay, after being raped there's so much like moral rot and such vile and uh and and honestly psychopathic uh, um sentiment that comes to the front when you're talking about this issue on the left that i i don't know i don't know how we're going to be able to look at this the same way ever again like the american left is even more disgusting than many people had known
3: well it what it does is it points out that Me Too really only means Me Too when the people who are accused of impropriety are convenient targets. Me Too when it's Brett Kavanaugh. Me Too when it's Harvey Weinstein. People who are seen as white and wealthy and privileged and, as the as the, And, as and I colonized. think it's important to
2: note, one of those individuals is entirely innocent and the other is
3: obviously very, very guilty. Correct. But the reason why they are targeted, look, I mean, Joe Biden was credibly accused of sexual assault by an employee.
2: It's it's against white males.
3: This this is a weapon against the white male patriarchy. Full stop.
2: That's what Me Too became, and that is how it has been weaponized. It's it's so, you know, and, and very selectively, even among the white male patriarchy, right, because... You know, Donald I'm saying Trump, Joe Biden.
3: Y- if you're if you got the right politics, they will even protect you from yeah. the Me Too movement, as as we saw happen with Joe Biden. Now, if you are Jewish, you either uh, and and allege that you were raped. I mean, we know that 1,200 plus were murdered, m- many of which were innocent women and children. So you're arguing that we know the murders happened, but the rapes were unlikely to have happened and that they're exaggerated. I mean this this is like what we saw. Remember we had the woman on who talked about the babies uh being beheaded and the fact that all these kids were killed and uh, people said, "Well, they weren't beheaded." And you're like, "Well, some were, but you know, the total number of people that were beheaded is 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 not really the story. I mean, death is awful. The fact that you're killing women and babies and arguing that the way that you killed them was somehow humane is you're on the wrong side if you're if you're nitpicking the way in which people were murdered.
2: And, and you also, I think, have to approach this with, with, a, this is very obvious to anyone who has moral clarity, who has judgment and wisdom. Hamas has no integrity, uh, and no decency to protect. So they lie about things all the time and no one cares because no one expects Hamas to not lie. That tells you a lot, doesn't it? If yeah. the Israelis, if the IDF, if they were caught in a true lie about any of this, There would be this massive outcry and their credibility would be damaged, but they have credibility to protect and they are more, therefore more credible. Hamas has no credibility to protect. Hamas has no standards of conduct or of truth that it upholds. Hamas is evil. This is actually quite straightforward. You know, when all these people get in my comments and they say, Oh, but you know, what about Hamas and what about the Palestinians? And Oh, you just, you're like a warmonger. I don't care what they say because they are morons. Because this could not be more clear. It could not be more obvious what is right here and what is wrong in terms of the sides involved, Israeli action, and the Israel. I mean, I don't even think, Clay, it's not even that Israel has a right to choose to go after Hamas in the way that it does. Uh, I think Israel has an absolute moral obligation to go after these individuals in Hamas the way that it is. It
3: would be wrong for Israel to not do this. 100%. And you can't both sides terror. <laughs> the terrorist is on the wrong side. What happens to the terrorist after that is not necessarily uh, morally equivalent in yeah. any way.
2: I, I, I'm sorry for the American left that in this case, the people that they think of as representing those who are non-white are the bad guys, but they are the bad guys. They can try to contextualize this. Hamas. Yes, they are Arab Muslims, they are non-white, they are, in fact, the bad guys, despite what the American left likes to believe, that the only people who are capable of systemic evil are, are white. That is actually not true. It is not true now, it has not been true throughout history, and the left is getting a lesson in reality about all of this right now. All right, we'll take your calls on this, 800-282-2882, and, you know, it's holiday season, and you're going to be buying a lot of stuff. I'm buying a lot of stuff. I just actually um, bought some things today, you know, setting up gifts. Get on those gifts early. But one of the problems you have is you're going to be visiting a lot of sites. You're going to be getting emails about deals. There are so many scams online right now. Cyber thieves are everywhere. You're going to be getting text messages, too, saying, oh, just click this, and you'll get some special deal. Yeah, the deal is they steal your info. And then you've got to worry about identity theft. They take out loans or credit cards in your name. It's a nightmare. You need LifeLock to protect your identity online. Their systems monitor online transactions in the billions every week, looking for evidence of fraud. I've had LifeLock now for, gosh, five, six years, and it has saved me many times. You want to have LifeLock going on in the background. It's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now and save 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off.
0: iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.
5: Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having.
1: Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Campbell. And
5: me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love.
1: We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs.
5: It's a lot. (laughs) You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
2: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of
1: Sonny. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Uh, We were just talking about suddenly the failure to condemn uh, rape. From the people who had been so active on, uh, in the larger universe saying, um, believe all women became, don't believe the confessions of rapists if their victims are Jews. This is Batya Unger Sargon, I think. Cut three. Listen.
5: I want to make sure your audience
6: understands what we just witnessed with Pramila Jayapal's interview because it is part of a, it's a microcosm of something much, much larger, which is this Leland. The same people who for six years have told us that every man who flirts with a co-worker should be chased out of public life. The same people who replaced due process with believe all women. These same people and organizations, when presented with evidence of the mass rape of Israeli women, suddenly turned around
5: and said, we need more context. We need more evidence. Who's to say they took their standard of believe all women and flipped it on a dime to don't even believe the men who are bragging about mass rapes the minute the victims were Jews. It's
3: 100% That's really true. well said. Jeez, she's really well absolutely. said. You know, it's it's a it's a
2: horrific issue, um, and it's one that when you hear someone speaking the truth. You really it's hard not to be angry at the people who spend their time trying to soft pedal this in some way or trying to contextualize this it was the policy of the Hamas barbarians to rape women during their terror attack and to murder babies up close and personal in the worst possible ways and they apparently raped uh, men as well just as an additional detail um and and people on the left are saying, well, we can't know this for sure. I guess we, I guess if you weren't there, and even if you're there, they won't believe you because they're just claiming that this could be propaganda. But um, this is the destruction of even the most obvious morality.
3: It's also why you have to consider all the facts, no matter who the uh, who's alleging anything, instead of just believing any one group or any one uh, group against them. Why Lady Justice's blinds, I've been saying for years. Pure Talk has you covered this holiday season with a gift for yourself, free Moto G 5G phone, not looking for your trade-in, no gotcha in the deal. If your cell phone needs upgrading, now's the time. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, 15-gig data plan, just 35 bucks. get the Moto G 5G phone for free. As good as the Moto G 5G phone is, Pure Talk service, top-notch. My own 15-year-old has Pure Talk service. It's been fabulous for him. You can get hooked up, save your family a bundle in the process. Just dial pound 250. Say the keywords Clay and Buck to speak with Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team. They make switching easy. Make sure to get you your new phone. Remember Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network. Dial pound 250 today. Say Clay and Buck. Pure Talk simply smarter wireless. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We're rolling through Tuesday edition of the program on the eve of the fourth Republican debate, which will be taking place tomorrow in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And we were just playing you some Liz Cheney cuts of, oh, my goodness, we're not even going to have elections if Trump were to win. And I wanted to make sure that we didn't forget Michael Beschloss on MSNBC saying, That if the Republicans won in 2022, what might be next is firing lines, executing political opponents. This is what passes for actual news on MSNBC and opinion. Listen to this cut.
2: We could be six days away from losing our rule of law and losing a situation where we have elections that we all can rely on. You know, those are the foundation stones of a democracy and a historian 50 years from now. If historians are allowed to write in this country and if there are still free publishing houses and a free press, which which I'm not certain of. But if that is true, a historian will say what was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. We're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system and it could be a week away. Can I, I mean, I mean, look, it's it's insane, and and it's it's shameful to say those kinds of things. One of the problems we have now, though, in the in the Trump era, because of the anti-Trump voices, and you come across this on the right a little bit too. I will just say it uh, without naming any names or anything, but uh, catastrophism breeds more catastrophism because it's really hard to get anyone's attention. When one group of people or when one person is standing on their platform and shouting about how this is the end of America and we're all going to be put in camps and everything is falling apart. And you're saying, look, there's bad stuff happening. We got to address it. We've got to, you know, see this challenge head on. But, you know, I still believe in the resilience of the system set up by the founders, yada, yada. A lot of people go, shut up. You, you're not, you're not the real deal. The guy who says America is going to end tomorrow. That's who I need to listen to. And then it doesn't end tomorrow. And then six months goes by and the same person is saying, Oh, America is going to end unless I get my way on this. You know, this is a, an unfortunate reality of, uh, political commentary in, in this current era. And the anti Trump stuff has just, has just put it on steroids. It's just taken it to a new level. I don't think you can, I don't think anybody, Clay, would even listen to you on an MSNBC panel unless you said that Trump is an existential threat to America.
3: Yeah and but the problem I think Democrats are having is there is a boy who cried wolf scenario at play. And and I think Trump is now benefiting from that because when Michael Beschloss is saying if we don't win the midterms there may not be an election it's one thing if that is a died in the wool hardcore American political opinionist and you're like okay that person is just trying to ensure that they continue to get a paycheck by selling the most hyperbolic version of panic that you can get on the left wing in this country. But for a historian, like he starts off by saying, if we still have historians and you're allowed to publish in this country in 50 years, which I'm not sure of, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing him there. I mean, we had elections, and I, I think it's always important, and this is why being a history nerd is, I think, helpful in this era, We legitimately had elections during the Civil War and World War II over whether those wars should continue. 1864, Lincoln against McClellan. Abraham Lincoln Buck ran against the former Union Army head. I mean, that's a pretty crazy thing to think about. And then in 1944, Roosevelt, FDR, who was obviously not well and close to death himself, Won an election to ensure that we continue to fight World War II to its conclusion. I, I just, the idea that you would argue, oh my goodness, whatever happens in 2022 or whatever happens in 2024, America's going to be destroyed is, is, is frankly just, it's foreign to every notion of ration, rational sanity that exists based on all of American history so far.
4: And that doesn't mean that
3: you can not say we're in perilous times when you're trying to put the chief political adversary of the president in prison. I don't think that's a good precedent to be setting, but I actually think Americans as a whole are going to end up supporting Republicans and Trump if he's the nominee more because of this uh, attack that's being levied by the chief political opposition. Yeah, I... I...
2: I like to think that I'm an optimist in the long run but I'm a pessimist in the short run as and I see the problems that lie immediately ahead and I think we should address them but you know, overall this experiment known as America has been moving along pretty well for quite some time and and I think that the people that throw around this hysteria about you know the the end of the country I mean I'll be clear I think Democrats, my fear with Democrats is that they, uh, and the left in general in America, is that they have unfortunately accelerated dramatically the pace at which they make this country worse than it would otherwise be uh, for the people who are alive today and for the generations that are going to be born tomorrow. Uh, I, I think that Democrats make things more dangerous, make us more poor, make us less free, all these things. But to constantly argue that you know, the country is on the brink of collapse because of them, I think seeds them more power than they deserve or seeds them, you know, more, um, ability to induce fear that I'm willing, I'm willing to give them. And, and the fact that they have resorted to this against Donald Trump, everything is catastrophism. Everything is the truly the end of the country as we know it. And that is what they say existential, a word they overuse chronically everything. Ex- climate change, existential, Donald Trump, existential. You know, the war on trans people, existential. Um, I, I, sit here and say, what really is the message of the Democrat party, Clay, going into 2024, other than, um, hysteria across the board? Hey, they, they, they push hysteria on everything that women yes. will be, you know, enslaved to their wombs and the handmaid's tail because of abortion, that Donald Trump is the great destructor of the American republic and will create fascism. That, you know, white nationalism is the only force in America that seeks to have a secure border, even though you look at a lot of minorities in America and they actually want a secure border too, but just put that, put that aside, doesn't matter. It's always hysteria and madness. And I I think that that's one of the primary problems of the, I'm just gonna say this, I think that emotional and psychological instability may be the single most unifying factor among the factions of the Democrat party today. Basically, they're a little to a lot crazy, and that's why they think a lot of the things they do.
3: No doubt. Uh, what do you think about playing the Stephen A. clip when we come back of him attacking woke culture, which I think is pretty significant, because um, we played Beschloss. So let's see if we can play Stephen A. here uh, in the sure. next little bit. We'll break that down for you. By the way, Congressman Byron Donald's going to join us in uh, the third hour. The decision not to include Florida State has blown up and turned into a political issue now, particularly for the state of Florida. For those of you who pay attention to the college football playoff, uh, we'll talk with Congressman Byron Donalds about that choice. He's a big Seminole fan uh, when we come back. In the meantime, look, it's holiday season. I know a lot of you out there thinking about what you're going to get everybody for Christmas. My third grader is homesick from school right now, Buck. Uh, I was just downstairs in the last hour. I think he's gonna be fine. He's got a little fever. He didn't seem too upset to be home from school. Let's just put it that way. He's been watching Super Mario Brothers and, uh, and playing with his toys. So he's, it's not a bad day. But he told me when I went downstairs, he said, dad, I just got you the best present ever. I said, oh, that's awesome. I'm, r- I'm really excited about it. What is it? He said, I can't tell you right now. It's the best Christmas present ever. I said, okay, I'm excited to see what my third grader got for me. But if you're out there right now and you're thinking to yourself, i got to make sure that I get the best Christmas presents ever, Legacy Box is the answer. A lot of you. Man, there's so many of you out there that have tough people to shop for. People that you've gotten a tie for eight consecutive years. How many years has Dad gotten a sweater? How about socks? Um, How about you just go ahead and preserve your family memories forever uh, by getting hooked up with Legacy Box? not complicated. Uh, you get a box, you put all your great photos, all your great, uh, old VHS tapes, all those camcorder tapes, all of the memories that your family has. And you're worried because, hey, what would happen? Maybe somebody elderly in your family's got all the old photos in their attic. What would happen if something, a flood happened, if the, if the roof, uh, had an issue, if there was some sort of fire, some sort of difficulty for you and your family? All those memories are just one place. You probably don't have a VH, uh, VCR anymore, so you probably can't even play the old tapes that you and your family have made. Why not get all of your family's videotapes converted for just 9 bucks? and you can get all your photos professionally scanned for as low as $0.07 cents each with a great new holiday offer from Legacy Box. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Clay right now. That's LegacyBox.com slash Clay. It's an incredible offer That will be a great gift for you, your family, and probably for a lot of people in your family who are otherwise difficult to shop for. LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Get hooked up today. LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Download and use the new Clay and Bucket. Listen to the program live.
0: Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Use your Cnd 24-7
3: subscription to get access to the guys. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. I'm
0: Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show
1: to start listening. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So yesterday, I got an education in the feud that broke out over the weekend over which teams are going to the college football playoffs. Um, governor of my home state, Ron DeSantis, weighed in on this one. Here, here's what he said. Let's let's play that clip.
0: They undefeated conference champion,
3: and to be left out in favor of two one loss teams, and and not those are good teams. I mean, don't get me wrong. Now, Florida State team. earned that spot. Donald Trump wants to blame me. You know, he also said that um, he also took Disney's side against us when we stood up for the kids. He also said Cuomo in New York did COVID uh, be- better than we did in the Attack Me for being pro-life. Maybe that's a reason we should have a debate on your show, Laura. Stop being a keyboard warrior and let's uh, step up and debate one-on-one. He's had a lot to yeah. say about me over the last year. Say it to yeah. my face. I'm game.
2: Uh, well, bringing <laughs> it back to football here for a second because he turned that into a whole bunch of other stuff. We have Congressman Byron Donalds with us of Florida as well, who wants to have an epic throwdown with Clay on this one. It was a shortened version yesterday. I am munching popcorn over here. Clay,
3: you guys go ahead. All right, Congressman, let's start here. I, I read Trump making uh, comments about DeSantis to blame as a total joke. Right. Like he was having fun with the mess and saying, oh, let's just bl- bl- blame DeSantis for this. I'm sure. Is that the way you read that, too? I mean, I know some people are treating it like it's a serious thing, but I think Trump was just kind of having fun with it and being a little bit funny on uh on truth social with that comment.
6: Well, you asking me if I think that? Yeah, yeah.
3: Do you want, Like, how would you, oh, yeah, like, he, yeah, he you don't joking. think Trump actually thinks DeSantis is to blame for Florida State not getting in the playoff, right? Some people are treating that seriously.
6: No, 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 no. I don't think so. I think that's just a joke. I mean, listen, the president's having fun with it. And also, you know, look, he's up big in the polls all through the country, so he's having a little fun, to, you know, with the governor as well. But, you know, it's, it's not his fault. The fault lies with the committee. We all know this. That's where the fault lies with.
3: Okay, so what should happen to the committee in your mind? There's been, uh, I'm sure you saw Rick Scott wrote a letter uh, saying that he wants to preserve, them to preserve their text messages and data and whatnot. Uh, and uh, Ron DeSantis, I think, has left a million dollars now in the Florida budget to examine this. Is there a role for Florida politicians to be playing in this debate and this uh, decision in your mind?
6: Well, I'm not totally there, but the reason why I think they are engaged in this is first of all what the committee did was wrong to the players. That's number one. Number two, Florida State is a state institution. They are funded by the state government. They get taxpayer money. Uh this decision by the committee, by all told, cost the ACC and Florida State over ten million dollars. That's a major investment in Florida State. So um yeah, there's reasons why people are looking at this. But but third and but third and overall. An unbeaten team, a Power Five champion, is left out. That just doesn't pass the smell test. Unless your name, unless you are an alumni or a student at Texas or Alabama, you're looking at that and you're, you're looking at this, and saying, "Man, this is fishy. It stinks. Who got paid and what's going on? People need to look into this."
2: Wait, Clay, do right, you, you, you totally to agree? Wait, 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 hold on, Mr. No, yeah. Clay.
6: Yeah, you're you agree moderating.
2: with everything Congressman Donald is saying here? Because I, I thought you guys. Didn't see. No, I, just, I, thing. Dis-
3: I disagree with him. I think that because of the injury to Jordan Travis, Florida State had an opportunity to play against Florida and they got an opportunity to play against Louisville. They won both those games. The defense was very solid, but I think Florida State's a touchdown worse than they would have been with Jordan Travis. So I would oh. have agreed with the committee. I would have put in Texas and I would have put in Alabama. Over Florida State, because I think given the rosters and the situations and the charge of the committee to put the four best in, uh, I think that those teams, both Texas and Alabama, are better than Florida State was at the end of the year.
6: Okay, now here's, where I'm, here's what I'm going to do, Clay, so just sit tight. I'm going to break all this down. First, <laughs> let's take Alabama. I am not opposed to Alabama being in. I think it was the right call by the committee. Alabama is appropriately ranked at four. They beat the number one team in the country, Georgia, neutral field, last game of the season they deserve to be in. The issue is Texas. First of all, Texas, the same Texas team, they beat Alabama in Week Three when Alabama was not the Alabama you saw beat Georgia, much weaker team. Milro got benched after the after the Texas game. Uh, this is the same Texas team that beat TCU by three points. They beat Kansas State by three points, looking god awful. They lost to Oklahoma in the Red River show, uh, Shootout, and they beat an Oklahoma State team for the Big Twelve Championship that lost to South Alabama 33 to seven and lost to UCF. 45 to 3. UCF isn't even the fourth best team in Florida. And it's Oklahoma State beat them 45 to 3. That's who Texas beat for the Big 12 championship. So you're going to sit here and tell me that Texas to jump four spots on the last week over Florida State. When Florida State went on to roll with the second-string quarterback and beat Florida in Florida, they didn't lose to UCF the way Oklahoma State did. They beat Florida in Florida. And let's talk about Louisville. Louisville is a better team than Oklahoma State, much better team. They have a better offense than Oklahoma State. And our defense was lights out. They weren't good. They were great. All right. So – They should be the third-ranked team in the country. I don't the know challenge here, I find
3: him very compelling in his <laughs> The challenge here is Texas beat Alabama by 10 in Week 3. You're correct, it was early in the year, but they won on the road at Brian Denny. So I think the challenge for the committee is, I don't think you can put Alabama in without putting Texas in. They finished with the same record, 12-1. and one. They won the head-to-head. The number one rule of sports, as you well know, when you have a tie is, How do you decide the tie? Who won the head to head? Yes, Texas lost to Oklahoma, but Oklahoma is a pretty good game, pretty good team, 10 and 2. They lost with 15 seconds left. That was a battle, rivalry game, neutral site field. I think the committee got it right. And I actually think, and this is going to really drive Florida State fans, and you're really going to tee off now, Byron, when you hear this. I actually think Florida State should have been ranked seven. I think they should have been behind, uh, behind Georgia. At five and behind Ohio State at six. I don't even think they were a top six team.
6: That don't even, that makes no sense at all. Let's go back to the Red River shootout. You just said, you just said that they won in the last 15 seconds over Oklahoma. It's a rivalry game. Clay, what do you think Florida, Florida State is, man? It's a long standing rivalry game. We But Florida's not any good. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop. And Oklahoma is? Stop that. that. Oklahoma's 10 and 2. Florida finished 5 and 7. They lost two games. I thought the games didn't matter. It's how you look. Well, Oklahoma lost two games. Like, this is what I'm saying. All I'm saying is this. Florida State's defense is easily top four. Our defense is better than Washington's, and I will argue our defense is better than Michigan's. That's number one. Number two, yes, we don't have Jordan Travis anymore. Freak injury, sorry for him, and I hope his future continues. And I think, you know, the reports of his surgery are that it went well. But there has been no evidence on the field at any point in this season that Texas is better than Florida State. And I will back up a point that you made. The committee knew they had to put Alabama in, and the only way they could justify it was have Texas jump four spots on the last day of the season to jump over Florida State. Even when Texas beat Bama back on week three, they didn't jump four spots. I I agree with you
3: that the committee – here's where we agree. The committee set itself up for a problem. When they put Florida State at four and when they had Texas at seven and Alabama at eight, they were hoping, I think, that this would resolve itself because if Georgia would have beaten Alabama, I think they would have probably kept Florida State in uh, and they would have then had Texas as the four, right? I think that's the way this thing would have sh- shaken out. Um But I think that they are – uh sorry, they would have put Florida State at the four and Texas would have been at the five. I think that's probably what they would have done. Uh, if Georgia had gone on and won but man what they should do and what i wish everybody had just said was let's go ahead and put the 12 team playoff in implement it a year early and this is where you need like a grandmaster of the uh, you know the 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 commissioner like somebody who is in charge of the overall landscape buck i think even you would agree with this go ahead and start the 12 team playoff early that would have been the right choice boom you put it all in place
6: no, Now, Clay, here's something I will agree with you on. What the committee should have really done is they should have said, okay, oops, we got called because Bama beat Georgia. By the way, I was calling that game before it happened. I thought Bama could beat Georgia. I'm going to yep. move aside. They should have easily been like, dang, I'm, I'm being Florida State has to be in. Hey, sorry, Texas, but you beat Bama when Bama was weak and they're strong now. And on a neutral field, Texas cannot beat Alabama, not today. And we all know that. That's number one. Number two, what they really could have done is said, you know what? Orange Bowl and some other bowl, yeah. We 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 need Georgia to we need Georgia to play Texas, and we need Alabama to play Florida State, and then uh George and then Michigan and Washington get a bye. Yeah, could have went to a sixteen. Real I agree. Fast, and everybody would have been okay. The players would have been like, oh, let's do it, and it would have made more money for college football because we got at the end of the day, this is about money. My biggest issue with the committee is this: we have to fully acknowledge now that this is about money. It is not about amateurism. They want the most eyeballs on the screens, and that's why they moved Texas up four spots over Florida State. It's a travesty of justice. Nothing like this has ever occurred in college sports. I mean, the committee might as well be the Russian judge as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Now, now <laughs> who could bring this together? Who could bring this together? You know, if, if we actually had a president of the United States that was awake and knew how to lead, he could step in and be like, Hey man, we're going to have one of these games on the national mall. And the other game could be down at, at the Orange Bowl. And then that's how we'll do it. If you're concerned about venue seating, or you can always call Jerry Jones, you know, the billion dollar playpen is always available.
3: I, you, I agree a hundred percent with you. I would love if Joe Biden, if he could wake him up and if he knew what was going on. If he just came out and said, Hey, I'm in favor of expanding the playoff to six. Uh, what do I need to do to make it happen? If I were president of the 100%. United States, I'm not kidding. I would do that. I bet if you were president of the United States, you would do it. I'm sure some people would criticize it. Every college football fan in America would vote for us for the rest of their lives.
6: Well, listen, I- I'm going to be very clear. I'm in favor of this because I'm a, I'm a Florida State Seminole. I'm an alumni. Graduated in 2002. I love my team. We've been in the Valley. We're back at the, at the, at the top. We should be at the mountaintop because, by the way, if we were number three, we'd beat Washington on a neutral field because I don't like Washington's defense. I never have all year. I think we beat Washington, and then you see what happens. But, but I digress. It's probably not going to happen. Look, at the end of the day, I mean, these are kids. Some of them are a little bit older because of COVID extra years. Them. Some of them are 24 years old, 23, 24. My son plays college football at the, F- at the FCS level. You just want the kids who work hard to be rewarded for working hard. And what we have to acknowledge is that the Russian judge committee that runs the college football <laughs> playoff has put a stink and a stain on this year's uh, playoff. Because if you're really going to choose the best four teams, you ready for this? The best four teams are Michigan, Washington, Alabama, and Georgia. So if you're going to do it that way, those are the best four teams, and Georgia should be in the playoff because they only lost by three on the road. Do you I agree, agree with that, you on Georgia? Neutral, fight. neutral we, fight, they lost by three.
3: I agree with you. Georgia got screwed in this process, too. Congressman Byron Donalds, we appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you again in person. Good luck to your Seminoles in the Orange Bowl. If you beat Georgia, you might be the only undefeated team in the country.
6: Listen, we beat Georgia. we the national champions, baby. I'm telling you that right now.
3: I bet, I bet there will be a parade at Disney World if the Florida State Seminoles go 14-0 and beat Georgia. Appreciate the time, my man.
1: Alright,
6: take it easy.
2: I feel like I just woke up in the middle of high school geometry class. Like, I have <laughs> no idea
3: what is going on. <laughs> People listening to us right now, Buck, either thought that's one of the best segments we've ever, uh, had, or they're like you. They're like, you might as well have been talking. That might have been in Sanskrit for, uh, for some of you out there, but, I feel like a huge percentage of our audience was all in. Uh, Ally, producer Ally was deluged with VIP emails over this controversy. Um and like you said with the clip you played, it's really kind of spiraled into uh, a political story now. Uh but we want to tell you we'll get ready to come back close out uh, the the show next, but in the meantime, mainstream media is going to tell you the economy's fantastic. Right. What do you think? Bidenomics making a lot of difference? Uh, but you know the truth is, every time you go to a supermarket, rec- uh, supermarket restaurant, everything costs more. Fast food. I talk about it all the time. Chick fil A. Take my kids out. I can't get a meal for them for less than fifty bucks. Everything's more expensive. Overall cost up nineteen percent for everything on average since Joe Biden got into office. Where can you catch a break? We got you an idea. App called Upside. Free Upside app gives you cash back, gas, groceries, restaurants, and more. With Upside, you get cash back on every purchase. Here's how you do it. Get started today. Download the free Upside app today. You'll find it in the App Store. You can use our names as the promo code Clay and Buck. We have signed up for it in the Travis household. That is my understanding. Not going to surprise you. As a married man, I have no idea what we buy. Their package is showing up at the house all the time. But my wife, she knows everything trust me on every subject we've been married almost 20 years she's never been wrong according to her and according to me right now and she has got on to the upside app she'll get you hooked up in the travis household she can also tell you that she can save a lot of money for all of you if you do the same as her Go get signed up with Upside. You can get the app online. They got a 4.8-star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app. Use the promo code Clay and Buck. You get an extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas using that Upside app. Download it today, 25% back. By the way, Buck, a lot of people loving Congressman Byron Donalds. My own text messages are blowing up from people who said he owned me in that debate. We will discuss and break down more. This has been Clay and Buck. Get that upside app today. Learn, laugh, and join us on the weekend on our Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
2: He has the smarts.